This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Hebrews 11. Uh, just read a couple of verses from verse 13. This, of course, is the great roll call of faith, isn't it? These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All of us, I suppose we live in what you could call a time-space dimension, a time-space box. And the problem with that is it's very limited. Uh, there's a lot of restrictions and limitations that are naturally uh, put upon us. We're limited geographically. We can only be in one place at one time. And to get from A to B, and if it's a particularly long journey from A to B, and it's an arduous, bone-wearying journey, an expensive one, maybe to the other side of the world, you realize how limited we really, really are. We're limited chronologically. We live and we die in a very, very, very short span. That's why the Bible calls our life on earth, describes it as a vapor, as a tale that is told, as grass that is grown today that tomorrow is cut down and thrown onto the oven. And so life at best is very, very brief. So we're limited chronologically, we're limited biologically. Although science has made great advancements in all to do with biology, yet in spite of all, we find ourselves ravaged by diseases and infections and viruses that very often we have no control over. And we have not got the better of them, many of them, quite yet. We're limited sociologically. There's all kinds of barriers, cultural barriers, language barriers, customs, all kinds of things. You know, there was a time not, not so long ago in Ireland. You know, you're only going back maybe less than a generation when there was very, very few people from overseas lived here apart from Chinese and Indians who opened restaurants and maybe the odd African doctor in the RVH. But that was about it. But today there's over 80 languages spoken in our wee country. And there's people living here from all over the world. And we have to try to work through the cultural differences, those barriers of language and so forth. And so we're quite limited in some ways. We're limited certainly economically. There's a great gulf between the rich and the poor, between the haves and the have-nots. They talk about those in lower income brackets and middle income brackets and the upper income brackets and everything in between. And sometimes there can be a big difference in lifestyles because of that. But generally speaking, because of men's 
inventiveness and creativeness and innovation. For the most part, we, we have learned to, to live with it and, uh, and sometimes improve upon it and once in a while overcome it completely. But still we're limited. There is one limitation that every person on earth faces and science has not got the answer to it. And the greatest brains on earth cannot conquer the ravages of time. Time cannot be conquered. Time is inexorable, and it's irreversible. Instant replays is only for television. But we literally, physically, can't have instant replay. Time, even as a split second, has moved on, never to return. And so time has a great limitation on us. There is no elixir of life. There is no time capsule to take. There's no eternity pill to swallow. There's time that keeps continuing onwards. The Apostle Paul sums this up in a simple but very profound statement. Four words. In Adam all die. Given time, everyone dies. Some young, some old, some in between. It's the ultimate statistic. One out of every one dies. And so the inexorability of time will make sure that every human being on earth will die at some point. I have been at seven funerals this year already. Too many. We buried a dear friend there just on Friday, 62 years old. And sometimes these things brings it back to your, to your attention again how fleeting and how brief life really, truly is. I was reading recently that the oldest person in the world is a Jamaican lady. She's 117 years old. Isn't that amazing? 117. <laughs> but what's even more amazing than that is that we're amazed that that's amazing. Because God originally built us to live eternally. But because of Adam's sin, in Adam all die. Think of seven billion people in the face of the earth, and only one person has reached 117. It shows you what sin has done. And so, sin was the root and death was the fruit. And so the, the reality of it all is, even, even if you lived to 117, that wee Jamaican woman, it's still the most brief, the most fleeting part of your whole existence that you will ever live in all of eternity. It is just so brief, the Bible says, 
That's a breath, and it's over. Even at 117, in comparison to eternity. And the wonder of all of that is that we who are the dust of the earth, yet we will transcend time and we will touch eternity. We will live forever and forever and forever. That's the amazing thing. How short is time compared to eternity? Think of all the oceans and the seas and the rivers and the lakes of the, war, the whole world. And think of one little wave. That's time in comparison to eternity. Think of all the forests and the jungles and the rainforests. Think of all of those. One single leaf is like that time and eternity. Think of all the sand on the seashores and all the sand in the deserts of the world. One single grain of sand is like time in comparison to eternity. And yet amazingly, you and I have got to live in this very short sliver of time in this time dimension, space dimension box for whatever span we're allotted. And in that time-space dimension, that our decisions and our choices and what we do is going to affect the rest of our life in all of eternity. And so the decisions we make in this life will affect our life beyond this life, which is why we encourage people to come to Christ. I have, I have buried people in Christless graves. And it's not nice. It's terrible. But when it's a brother or a sister, no matter what age they are, if you know they are saved, it makes such a difference. Now, here's the irony. Most people, including, sadly, should know better some Christians... They mistake time for eternity. And it's a big mistake to make. They view life as if now was the whole picture, and it isn't. In light of what I've just told you, you can see that it's the least of the picture. It's the tiniest, most minuscule part of all of our lives. And there's people who live for the temporal rather than from the reality of eternity. They live for the here and the now rather than for the there and the then. Yes, we're in the here and the now, and we've got to live in this whatever time's allotted to us, but we need to not only just be living for here and now, we need to be living for there and then. So what's the problem? Well, for many people... I suppose eternity, when you start talking about eternity, and this is the problem a preacher has. When a preacher starts preaching about eternity, especially to unbelievers, which there's none here tonight, sadly, but nevertheless, especially to unbelievers, they can't get a handle on it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. 
You can't smell it. You can't taste it. So to try to imagine what that must be is difficult. It's hard to rationalize. It's intangible. It's ethereal, nebulous, foggy, inexplicable. And so that's why people are more comfortable in time because we're used to time. We live in time. We were born in time. And we live in time. We'll die in time. And everything we ever do is in time. So we know about time, don't we? In time, you can feel, and you can taste, and you can touch, you can smell, you can hear. That's all our perception in time. But to think outside the box of time and space, it's hard. We've never, we've never been into eternity. So we don't know what it's like. So we feel more comfortable with time. It's measurable, it's quantifiable, we can experience it. But what does eternity feel like? And there's a problem. This is why we live and we walk by faith and not by sight. Because we're believing in something we haven't seen. And it takes faith to believe in something you haven't seen. And to live for someone you haven't seen. But that's part of our journey as believers, isn't it? In Luke chapter 12... Well, let me just read Luke 12, verse 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So here's these two brothers, and there's a quibble about the inheritance. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. So he didn't want to get involved in this argument because covetousness was at the very heart of the argument. That's what it was all about. The greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man, he did it plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fill this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and does not rich towards God. You see, somebody said this man made three big mistakes. He mistook his bank book for his Bible. His, his material possessions was what drove him. That was what made him get up in the morning. And he was greedy and covetous for more. That was his whole life. It was wrapped up in things and stuff. So he mistook his bank book for his Bible. <laughs> he mistook his body for his soul. I will say to my soul, I have much goods laid up. 
I have many years ahead to enjoy them. God says, uh-uh, this night, your soul will be required of you, this night. His body wasn't going to last any more than a few hours. He thought he had years to go. And the biggest mistake, of course, he mistook time for eternity. I will say to myself, I have many goods laid up for many years. <laughs> had it all planned out. Had it all thought out in his mind. And God says, uh-uh, tonight your soul will be required of you. And then what's going to happen to all that stuff that you've lived for? Even if he had a says, I have many goods laid up for tomorrow. God still would have said, uh-uh, tonight your soul will be required of you. So we have no guarantees. Nobody has any guarantees. None. It's, it's a, in a way, it's a kind of a scary thought to think. And I think this every time I am conducting a funeral at a graveyard. The reality is, in just three days, somebody could be praying a prayer over your own grave. That's the reality, isn't it? That's the fact of it. And so therefore, eternity for the believer has got to be a part of our thinking, a part of our planning. The biggest, by far, an incalculable amount of time is going to be spent in eternity. And it's just this little tiny window pocket of opportunity here and now, where we live right now, that we've got to make those choices and decisions. But you see, here's another irony. We, we tend to only associate eternity with the life hereafter. When somebody dies, that's no question about it. If it's a friend, if it's a loved one, or somebody you really know, it brings you face to face with your own mortality. It brings it home to you. But too often, even as believers, that's the only time we think of eternity. In the hereafter. And the problem with that kind of thinking is, it's, it's kind of saying, well, when I'm done with the time bit, then I'll think of the eternity bit. But if you don't think of the eternity bit when you're in the time bit, you could be in trouble. You see, this man in the story, the parable that Jesus said, he was only concerned about the time bit. But he didn't know when his time bit was going to end, and he didn't know when his eternity bit was going to start, and none of us do. None of us do. So we need to make sure that we're in the time bit that we're preparing for the eternity bit because we never know when it's going to happen. It's too late starting to live for the eternity bit when you're still, when you're, when you're in the time bit and you haven't prepared for the eternity. It's too late then when you get there. It's too late. It's over. It's done. Can't change it. So how much of our lives today is geared up for eternity? Paul said in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. We're just passing through here. 
Yes, we got an address. Yes, there's a number on our door. Yes, we've got a telephone number. We've got a certificate of birth. We'll get a certificate of death. We'll have all of that there. But this is not our home. We're literally just passing through. And as I said the other week about holidays, if you're planning a holiday, you'd be thinking about it weeks on end, thinking about it, planning for it. But do we ever think about eternity? Some Christians think that's a bit morbid. <laughs> Why would you think that? Why would you think that about somewhere where you're going to live forever and ever? If you think it's morbid, you've, you've got big trouble because <laughs> you're going to be there forever and ever. You better realize it's wonderful. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11, just where we read there, there's just a, a couple of verses before where we read. In verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. All Abraham's time, from the moment he left Ur of the Chaldees until he died, all of that time was looking forward and onward to that city and builder and maker that was God. From the moment you and I get saved, from that moment... I hope and I believe and I trust that there is something of eternity in our hearts and in our thoughts. So living in the light of eternity, what does it do to us? It changes, first of all, our sense of values. Because when it comes to our possessions, then it changes it from ownership to stewardship. from ownership to stewardship. Once you realize it's stewardship that God has first claim on it, then you're not, you don't hold so tightly to it, you hold more lightly to it. Now, I'm, I'm trusting, I'm believing, I, I, I do really believe this, that that is not your case because <laughs> I've known you for years and you're people who are generous, and you're giving people, and you're not mean or tight-fisted and miserable. And possessions is not your whole aim and goal in life. You need them. We can enjoy them, but we need to employ them. We need to find ways to say, can this be utilized for the kingdom of God? I can enjoy it. Thank God I have it. Wonderful. God has blessed me. But how can I use this in some way for the kingdom? Because one day, all of it will be left. All of it. A very wealthy man died, and somebody says, how much did he leave behind? All of it. <laughs> all of it. And so it changes our, our, our sense of value of what's really, really important in life. I don't know if you've been looking at television this past few days about Houston and, and even a bigger, bigger calamity in, in Asia 
of flooding where over a million people, a million people have no homes, have no possessions, have nothing other than what they stood up in. Everything washed away, gone. No food to eat, no water to drink. Can you, how, how, you can't even get your head around what, how, what that would be like. Can't you imagine if you get up in the morning and everything you've ever owned or had is gone, never to be retrieved? In a moment, in a few hours. And this is why we need to have different values. Not everybody in Houston, Texas is rich. It is a very rich city, by the way. A very big city, a million people think in Houston. But not everybody's rich. There's some people who's very poor. There's some people living rough. And everything they've ever had is gone. In ours, overnight, it's gone. So eternity begins to change your sense of values. It changes our perspective of time. So while we're in time, we'll start to look at it differently. Ephesians 5.15 tells us to live wisely, not foolishly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The New Living Translation says, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Now, nobody could argue, but we're living in evil days, aren't we? And so when and where the opportunity to do good in the evil days come, then we're to redeem that, we're to take that opportunity and make sure we do it. So it changes our perspective of time. Colossians 4 and 5 and 6, sorry, Colossians 4, 5 and 6, again, the New Living Translation, live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. There's that redeeming the time. Let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. And so we begin to realize that we're only here for a limited space of time, and where and when we can, we need to do the best we can to help as many as we can. 1 Corinthians 7, 29, But I say, brethren, the time is short. William James, a, a philosopher, said, it's a good statement. He says, the great use of time is to spend it for something that will outlast it. To spend it for something that will outlast it. What could we spend our time in time that will outlast time? You know, whenever, uh, just as a point to make, this morning when Gillian made a point of needing help on Friday nights because of the kids for the youth. Here's the reality. We have to make big changes on Friday night to the youth. And the only reason we have to do that is because we don't have enough personnel. We don't have enough volunteers. We need to redeem the time. Some children in this town either they go somewhere else or they'll go nowhere because somebody needs to step up to the plate and say, here am I, send me. I'll get involved. That's redeeming the time. If we stand before the Lord someday, which we will, and he says, what did you do for my kingdom? And he says, I went to church. Is that it? 
you in the church? Redeem the time because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity because we may not have long to make the opportunity. Christianity in our nation is being squeezed. Squeezed. It's being squeezed in America. It's being squeezed in Britain. It's being squeezed here. It's being squeezed in Southern Ireland. We are being squeezed. So we need to make the opportunities happen because we may not get it very long to make it happen. Our enemies are taking every opportunity, aren't they? Our enemies, the enemies of the gospel, are working night and day to stop it. They are. They never sleep. Continually. There are, I was reading recently, there are multi-millionaires who are pumping millions and millions and millions into the whole LGBT agenda. Millions and millions into different countries to make it work. Where does that leave us as believers? And they're out in the placards and they're out in the front lines with their placards. They're out there every opportunity they can find. It's uncomfortable, this. But it's the truth. When you think of eternity, it changes your perspective of time. It changes our perspective of people because you begin to see people in the light of eternity. You begin to see people as having eternal, never-dying souls. Every person you see is a never-dying soul. And they're either going to heaven or they're going to hell. And eternity changes our perspective. Do we see them as lost, as without hope? I know we can get angry when we see the lifestyles and all the rest of it, but the truth is they're lost and they're without hope. And if they die like that, they're eternally lost. So it should change your perspective of people. When we think about our family members... And, and who among our family members is outside of Christ at this point? And as much as we love them, and as much as they may be lovely people, but if they're lost, they're lost. And they're going to end a Christless grave if we don't reach them. And so we need to have a burden. We need to have a, a heart and to pray for them. And, and, and get our perception changed and don't just see them as well they're our family and they're lovely and they're nice people and I wouldn't want to offend them and I wouldn't want to say something upset but they're lost they're lost and unless somebody tells them that and reaches them they're going to be lost what have you got to lose by talking to them they're going to say yes or no and if they get offended but what if you're the one who makes them think about eternity? What if you're the one who sows the seed in their heart? What if you're the one who actually gets to lead them to Christ? There is no greater joy than leading a family member to Christ. It's wonderful. It changes our whole perception of people. It changes our behavior to others. 
What do you mean by that? When you think of eternity and you think how short time is in eternity, life is too short for unforgiveness, for bitterness, for grudges. It's too short. It's too short to be taken up with that stuff. And it's sad when somebody either, I can't say they can't, but they won't forgive or they won't stop holding a grudge or they won't stop whatever. Life's too short for that. And life passes them by. And some people go through their whole life angry, bitter, unforgiving. Life's too short for that. We've only got a little spell here. Let's not end up that way. Our relationship with others is important. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, 11 says that we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's believers. From the moment you get saved to the day you stand before Christ, the Lord will judge. He will weigh what we have done with our lives. And it's for either reward, we'll either get rewarded, or it'll be haywood and stubble and it'll be burned up. Still be saved, but no reward. And so thinking about eternity, living your life in the light of it begins to change your behavior and your relationship to others. Now, there's some people that, as much as you try to get them over that grudge or whatever, they, they, some people will never change. And after a while, then you back off and you just leave them. But don't get sucked into it. But try to help if you can. But if they're not wanting help and they're not willing to forgive and they're not willing to give up, then you try to back off. Pray for them. Pray for the Lord that somehow, somewhere, sometime, their hearts will be softened and they'll break. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen? For the things which are seen are temporal, subject to change, will pass away. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. Colossians 2, 3, 2, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. New Living Translation puts it this way, let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Close with this, 2 Timothy 4, 8. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So Paul's saying we get the best of both worlds. We have the best life in this life. And we're going to have the best life in the next life. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And as I've said to you often, it's going to take the eternity of eternities for God to unfold all of the blessings and plans and purposes that he's got for each of us in eternity. We'll never be bored. We'll never be fed up. 
will never get up in the morning and say, I wonder what I'm going to do today. God will have everything planned for us for all eternity. And so, so, God has put eternity in our hearts. And as believers, it's something that we should be conscious of. The older I get, the more people I bury. And maybe this is because I've just done a few funerals recently. It's in my mind. The more conscious I am that it looms ahead. And who knows the day of the hour. There used to be an old preacher. And every night before he went to bed, he'd go to his curtains in the window and he'd close them. He'd say, maybe tonight, Lord. And when he got out of his bed in the morning, he'd open them, he says, maybe today, Lord. <laughs> he could come or call tonight, he could come or call tomorrow. But when you're ready, when you're ready, it doesn't mean that we are obsessed. It doesn't mean we're paranoid, but it means that we're ready. And we know if it comes or if he comes or calls, we're ready to go into the great eternity of eternities. So this little span of time is where we must make every opportunity count because we're responsible for it before God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we realize that we are not perfect. We realize that we haven't done it all or we don't know it all. And we can't see it all. But Lord, there's one thing. We want to be in the center of your will. We want to be and to do everything you have for us. Because we realize, Lord, it's just a short time. So we give you thanks, Lord, for the lives that we do have, for the years that you have given, and for whatever, Lord, is allotted from beyond this point. We bless you. We thank you for it. But, Lord, help us not, not, Lord, to be so stuck in time that we forget about eternity. But, Lord, we reach beyond in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, in our purposes. We reach beyond this little span and into the great eternity. So we give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for making all of this possible for us. We thank you for eternal life that lives in us, even right now. It's within each of our hearts. And we bless you and we give you thanks for that. Lord, for the work on Tuesday night and for all that's happening this incoming week. And Lord, for our daily work in the workplace, for our school, for our colleges, for everything we have to do, our business, everything. We just pray that your hand will be upon it for good. That your divine favor, Lord, will be poured out upon us. And Lord, we'll give you the glory for it. We'll say, this is the hand of the Lord in my life. And I give you the glory for it, Lord. So we praise you tonight. We return thanks. And Lord, next Sunday night, Lord, whoever comes from the churches to pray here, we pray, Lord, there'll be a great time of reaching up to heaven in prayer for our little community here. Lord, we want to see men and women find Christ in this community. We want boys and girls to come to the Savior. 
We want our churches to be full, Lord, of seekers, people seeking for Christ. And Lord, as we pray next week, we pray, Lord, that that will cause heaven to move in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.